I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of Listen Now is brought to you by me, Matt Stewart, and my 2020 live comedy show, Monkey House. I'm bringing it to Hobart for Fringe at the Edge of the World at the Republic on the 9th and 10th of January. Then I'm going to be in Brisbane for the Brisbane Comedy Festival at the Powerhouse from the 10th to the 15th of March, and on to Melbourne from there, back home uh, for the Melbourne International Comedy Festival for a big month at the Victoria Hotel from the 26th of March to the 19th of April. And you can grab tickets for those shows now via mattstuartcomedy.com slash gigs. If you want to be precise, mattstuartcomedy.com slash gigs. And if you use the discount code podcast, you will get a discount. That makes sense. Now, on with the show. Get tickets. On with the show. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Welcome to Listen Now, the podcast where we go through the back catalogues of some of the most important and rockinest bands of all time, starting with Australian pub rock legends Cold Chisel. I'm your host, Matt Stewart, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Sam Tonkin. Good day, day. Oh. Cut in, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Anyway, hi, how are you? It's, uh, so what, good what? to see you. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's um, it's so awkward when you're, you're talking to someone for the first time on mic <laughs> and you... <laughs> You just haven't got any sort of chemistries yet? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not the second pod that we've recorded today either. So, sorry, you're talking into your beer can, Sam. (laughs) You've got to talk into the fluffy black thing. Hello. No, talk. Hello. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) She's losing it. Who's lost the plot today? It's me. Today we're talking about the post-chisel career of chisels. Chief songwriter and keyboardist Don Walker, the Don. The Don, Donald Hugh Walker. The sausage himself. The great Don is good. The big Kransky. And Don Walker, so he's, I mean, he's he's the man. He was the one that all the other members of Colchester looked up to when they formed. Mm -hmm. He was a couple years older. He also seemed to be the only one that, like, had his shit together. Yeah, he did. For, like, for the whole... The outset of yeah. the whole thing. It, it must have been times where he felt like he was the adult. Yeah, <laughs> looking after these children. But he, I mean, he wrote the iconic tracks, K-San, Saturday Night, uh, co-wrote Flame Trees. Mm-hmm. You know, he, was, he wrote a lot of the He wrote a, a lot, lot of the bangers. A lot of it. Um, but when Cold Chisel disbanded in 83 and then um, their final album came out in 84, he basically quit music. I think his idea was that's it for him. He's done. I think he was feeling burnt out by it all. Yep. And he just went traveling uh, basically through like Russia and Eastern Europe, I think. Mm. And and he was having a great time over there and he was sort of writing a bit, but not necess- not really with the idea of recording. Yep. And it wasn't for about five years before he started the idea of putting something together. Initially, um, the idea was to call the act Catfish. 
Yep. And he was thinking about even hiring an actor to front the band miming the songs. Really? Like he just wasn't he was so uncomfortable. For... Wow. I guess as a front man. But eventually he decided to, you know, be the public face of the band, probably after the Millie Vanilli um, oh experience went wrong, <laughs> which probably was around that time, actually. Actually, yeah, that was early 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, late 80s, early 90s, I think. So he ended up uh, making his first album in the late 80s and it was released in 1989. It was called Unlimited Address and um, it was sort of a bit jazzier, bit, you could hear his his travel experience come out in the songs. Yep. It sounds like it was written yeah, in Russia. Yeah, yeah there's, there was a couple of songs. We'll get into it, but there was a couple of songs that I definitely felt those influences, I reckon. So the album, I really like it, and critics liked it at the time as well, but it, it didn't sell well and it ended up only just sneaking into the top 50 in Australia before dropping out like a stone. <sighs> so um, the reception, let's go to our, our mates over at Wikipedia. Mm. Um Magical new website. They list a few uh, snippets of some reviews. Sean Sequeira said of the album, this might very well be regarded as one of our greatest pieces of contemporary music that slipped under the commercial radar and no one knows why. Um, So, yeah, radio just didn't really play it. Walker later said... It was the 80s and it was the real butt end of disco and music was incredibly bad in every direction. Wow. This is a world where Footloose was the pinnacle and I was writing 13-minute songs about the slums of Manila. Nobody wanted to do that kind of thing in that environment, so I had to do it myself. Wow. Uh, And it it also says an an interesting point. It says despite having written many of Cold Chisel's songs, Walker suffered from being less well-known than former bandmates Jimmy Barnes and Ian Moss. I guess they're the, the voices of the band. Yeah, it's always the front, men, front men's and women's are always the best known because their face is plastered right there. For I you, think, yeah, it? and that's the, the average punter's always going to associate the front person with the music as mm-hmm. well. So they're always going to, they've got a real big head start in a solo career. Yep, agreed. Tracy Hutchison said, despite Walker's brilliant feel for this genre, the relative lack of impact of Catfish is an interesting indictment on the nature and machinations of band chemistry. Without Barnes, Don Walker lost the outlet for his craft. Wow. Well, I mean, that's not quite true. He just lost the mainstream audience for his craft. He didn't lose the outlet. I imagine he's still... He's going to make money forever from the his Fucking chisel cheap. songs. So he could just r- release albums as he wants to. Uh, and, and just live his best life. The reviewer for the Canberra Times uh, noted the album may appeal to Cold Chisel fans, but the music was markedly different from his old band. Mm. Brassy blues is the order, though a pop rock flavour shines through some of the tracks. Walker is not about to limit himself to just one style. He moves subtly, almost quietly, from one mood to another. Mm. And Rolling Stone Australia noted Walker toured through Australia, Asia, and Eastern Europe. These songs are linked by the narratives, the stories of cafes and bars in Europe and caravan parks in the Territory. There is a sense of detachment, a touch of voyeurism, and an attempt to get some external reality into an emotional search. Wow, that's deep. Did you know uh, of the band he put together for this album, one name might jump out at you, Ian Maple Syrup Moss. Hey, what? On guitar, yeah. Did he really? Yeah. Who's Charlie Owen? Charlie Owen was Charlie a Owen, he, named. He, um, yeah, we're going to get onto that soon because oh. he also 
he went on to making music with Texton and Charlie. So I'll, oh. I'll talk about them in a bit. But I, I wanted to just go through some of these uh, tracks on the album first because mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed it. I'd never heard it before. I'd never even – I don't think Catfish even rang a bell. No. Which is such a shame because I think it's a really good album. And I think I, maybe I prefer it to to even the, the first albums of – of Mossy and Barnsley after. Ooh, that's a big call. That's a close call. It's so different as well. So it's hard. It's sort of apples and oranges. It is. It really is Apples like and street. pears, apples and pears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm losing my mind in here. Yep. <laughs> uh, opening track, here it is, When You Dance. So you'll hear, it's just a very different vibe. A very 80s bass. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting you hear his vocals for the first time. Properly, yeah. It sounds like it should be in a Brat Pack movie. Oh, you reckon? It's got like simple minds about it, don't ah. you reckon? I, um, it's got a, a British feel, you reckon? I literally only listened to this for the first time yesterday, and one of the notes that I wrote uh, is, when you dance, it sounds 80s as fuck. Yeah. That's literally word for word. <laughs> My thoughts. Well, it is. I mean, it was 1989. I know traditionally I don't really like that big 80s is this, al- alternative a- 80s sound. Yeah, it's, it's something that I I can't get into. I got friends who into it, All but it just it. always sounded like I was too Depressing. young for it at the time. And then I don't know. I like some 80s music. Like I reckon Metallica's best albums are from the 80s, but yeah. that's a very different, different world to this. Slight different genre. Uh, so then track two, High Wire Girl. So this is a nine-track album, a great length of an album. It's not, a, if that is Mossy on all the tracks, it's not a distinctive Mossy style, is it? No, there was, I can't remember what song it was, but there was one one song that I was like, shit, is that, is it Ian Moss? Because I didn't actually know that Mossy was on it, but there right. was one song that was distinctly Mossy. He might not be on all of them. I really See, love this album. I think it's sick. These vocals especially, again, notes that I've written, um, I thought it sounded just that real, like, kind of English 80s gothy type of right. um, music. What do you think? Like, like the what, the Cure or something? It's not really Cure-y, though, is the cure, it? More like, I'm probably going to get shot for saying this, but it's got a bit of Morrissey about it. Oh, like yeah. It's, I, like, oh, I yeah. kind of go a bit Smith-ish, just the way. It's almost like you sing in from, like, from back of the throat. Back of the throat rather than from the guts. Right. Um, but the one thing that I thought just kind of brought it back to Australia is having the harmonica. Oh, yeah. Like, for me, the harmonica is just real, like... You think you hear that as, like, an Aussie sort of sound? Or the way they play it, maybe? Maybe the way we play it. Because, to me, I think of harmonica as, like, a sort of, like, a South America, Southern America. Southern US type yeah. of. Yeah. But I th- don't know, maybe it's just because, you know, a lot of cultures, a lot of Jimmy, Midnight Oil use oh, it a yeah. lot. Paul um, Kelly. Paul Kelly, yeah, Strilly that- Crawl, like they all feature it. That's true. And these are all bands from who had big albums in the, the 80s that era. I like as yeah. well. So, you know, when I say I don't like the 80s sound, I'm being a bit of a weirdo there. I guess I didn't like that 80s pop. Yeah, the weird, the synth, sure. you can, I would just call it like the Brat Pack music, like right. the the mo- songs that would be in John Hughes movies. Uh, the Eurythmics I don't like, like I, yeah, there's yeah. something about that sound, I, I just. It's the synth. I think you see through the bullshit. 
of a synth. It's, be it's, a real keyboard or be nothing. It's very synthetic, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and it's been very. That sounds been very influential on sort of alternative pop of the last few mm-hmm. years, or well, probably the last fifteen years yeah. or something. And yeah, which has been real great. Oh <laughs> I've been real great. I've been real glad to hear it. <laughs> Track three in the early hours. We can probably move pretty quickly through this, but I would recommend giving it a listen if you like the sound of it. Um, one that I do want you to give a bit of a crack to is uh, track track one. five. Yeah. Say, yeah, don't say what it's don't say what it's called yet because I want to explain my feelings first. Sizzle, bit of sizz. This is in the early hours. This is this is an album I'm going to keep keep playing. This is going to be on my my rotations. Yeah. Don't you think that's real Morrissey? Yeah. I, now that you've said it, I can definitely hear it. But I'm very susceptible to suggestion. <laughs> I really like his voice. It's, I think it's just another another insight to the wild talent of Cold Chisel. Yeah. That well, a guy sitting in the back. I mean, he writes all the songs, but you don't hear him sing. But then the, just the one real spot that we've heard him sing so far is on that cover of Knocking on Heaven's Door yeah. on Swing Shift. Um, and you start with, like, Maple Syrup Moss, and then you go into Don Walker, and you're like, all right, g'day, mate. And then he, like, rips the last few songs of his chorus, and you're like, where the fuck <laughs> did that come yeah. from? Track um, four is called Subway. I like that guitar sound, that acoustic. That oh, stop Doesn't it, this just Don. sound like English, 80s, indie, gothy? And obviously, a bit, the, a bit of Whitlam's kind of thing about it too. The the lyrics, are, you know, like all his stuff, paints a, paints vivid pictures. I just like everything about it. I'm, there's probably a lot of other albums vaguely like this. So I just it's not the kind of music I would normally listen to, and it mm. just grabbed me. So here we are. Here's track six, uh, se- uh, five. Sorry, mm-hmm. one night in Soviet Russia. God, you spoiled it. Oh fuck! Sorry. On the restaurant floor of the guest house, and I voice has got a lot of character. It's got a lot of variation. Yeah, as well. it sounds like a different person. Yeah. So what, what, why did this one stick out to you? So when it gets into it a little bit, so like I was saying, I only listened to this album yesterday for the first time and yep. it was while I was at work, so I wasn't really paying attention to the track names or anything. Um, and I just kept running over to write little notes about it as we were going. And the note that I wrote about this song... Um, was uh, it sounds like a song of a slow, hard-fought battle for success, and it just—I don't know. And then I read that the track name is called "What Is It?" One Night in Soviet Russia, and it just—it kind of all clicked for some reason. Yeah. Like it made sense. Like you can hear what I would consider as like a Russian influence into it. Right. Totally. Yeah, I guess so. He's soaking. I'm guessing as he's traveling around, he's soaking in the the music in the bars and 
clubs and everything he's going to. Yeah. Does it build be hard up any further than this, or is this just how it goes? Oh, there's always twists and turns with there Don's writing. Don't worry about that. So we can't play the whole bloody thing. No. Uh, then you've got My Backyard. Oh, hello. This is a bit... It's just a million miles away from K-San and... Yeah. And really any of the chisel stuff. None of it sounds like this. Oh, I like it. I think that's my favourite <laughs> part of his singing styles when he's sort of up and on the edge. Just pushing his voice a little bit. Pre-war blues, track seven. It's got a bit of, that's got a Nick Cavey sort of piano sound. Mm. <laughs> like Nick Cave owns that piano sound. Yeah, like Don Walker it owns everything. I think they got a, they're probably seen as maybe they'd be right up there with two of the most respected Australian songwriters, right? I reckon they'd be pretty They'd be two of the heads on the yeah. Mount Rushmore of Australian rock. songwriters. Rock. I feel like you're going to know how I feel about this song already. Yeah, not a fan? No. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I definitely have more of an appetite for... I like... I think I'm kind of into the, the full spectrum of tempo and I like the heaviest music you can hear but yep. I quite like getting into some gentle stuff occasionally mm-hmm. if it still feels like it's got some guts and I feel like this stuff still feels like it's got there's weight in it as well I think I just have such a short attention span right I can see that uh, well there's only two songs left oh this is six station track uh, eight this is the song that I think that had the mossy guitar in it I reckon this is the closest you get to a Cold Chisel song on right. this album. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The guitar and the piano, it's all of a sudden got that, like, real... Like, bouncing piano into it. This sounds like a strip with a broken shoe. Yes. Don Walker's losing that a little bit. <laughs> I know what he means. Do you? I know what you mean, Don. <laughs> and then finally, the uh, title track, Unlimited Address. I... I I played it first time a week ago, maybe, mm. and I played it back to back five times. Really? It's quite short. It's about half an hour long, Jeez. thirty-five minutes long. Yeah. And I was just playing it back to back to back. Oh my god, I love this album. I can't remember the last time I instantly fell in love like that with, because I, I pressing play, I had no idea what it was going to sound like. I hadn't read anything about it. Mm. Didn't know about the sort of the Russian influences and stuff and. If I had a guess, I would have said, I'm not going to like this album <laughs> based on the sort of descriptions and, and the time it came out and all that sort of stuff. But no, I just think it's a fucking cracker. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, so he ended up releasing another um, album under the Catfish name before disbanding the band. Well, not really disbanding. It was kind of just him solo with um, a few players around him. But he released another one in 1991 called Ruby. And that's mm. the the last Catfish album. He also released some just under his own name, 94, 2006, and 2013. He put out albums under the Don, just under Don Walker. Ah, when you're done. But the other one I want to talk about a little bit is with Tex, Don, and Charlie, mm-hmm. which is a group of three, you know, very different musicians. Uh, they're kind of, they're like a, a super group. Yeah. I like their name. They didn't. They just like let's just call it our name. People know me. I'm kind of a big deal. Tex Walker. Uh, Tex Walker. Fuck. Merging them. <laughs> Tex Perkins uh, is a big. He's a big star in Australia, especially back then. But even even today, he's like a Still rock holds. legend. He's also a really tall dude, isn't he? He's a big man. He's a big bloke. And a Saints fan. Is he? Yeah. Fuck yeah. And he he was the front man for Cruel Cruel C, C but also the Beast Suburban, who were uh, like one right. of the sort of like a real badass pub rock band. Were they both 80s? I thought Cruel C was like that. They time overlapped, then. yeah. Oh, so he, did they? he is. I thought Beast of Bourbon was more recent for some reason. No, but... I think he was in Beast of Bourbon, I think, before. Oh, sure. Um, uh, even before he joined. Because uh, Cruel C was an instrumental band, I think, before he joined them. Oh. He's also released a bunch of solo albums as well. But he's just. Um, yeah, he's he's a prolific guy. He's also released an album with Tim Rogers, Tex and T- oh, really? TNT. Excellent. Which is a bit of bloody fun. Uh, but Tex, Don and Charlie, uh, they released their first album in 1993. And I think they were – let, let me find – sorry, I think I've read a lot of this. Let me find this page. It says, okay, um, the band was founded in 1992, as Tex Perkins recalls. I saw Charlie and I thought, Jesus Christ, he was easily the best rock guitar player I had seen. That is wow. high praise. Uh, he was really dex- dexterous mm-hmm. and gutsy, not flashy. I think it had a lot of ju- a lot of jazz in him as well. I made a mental note that I'd like to work with Charlie, and about one year later, I heard he was playing with Don Walker and Catfish. Then somebody suggested I do something with Don Walker, and I said, sure, as long as Charlie Owen is there. In early 1992, the as yet unnamed band performed an acoustic live performance for alternative radio station Triple J with James Cruikshank also con- contributing guitar. I say that word poorly. Contributing? Contributing. I got this weird thing where I hit um, syllables wrong. Yep. I need a doctor to diagnose me with something. <laughs> a doctor. <laughs> I need a, a doctor to diagnose me. No, I'm, I'm not, I can't even do my the own thing wrong. The wrong syllables. <laughs> yeah, the wrong syllables. <laughs> Six months later, Perkins proposed to Walker that they record an album together. Walker described the recording as a number of informal afternoons spent jamming in the studio. It wasn't an album approach with any sort of seriousness. It wasn't until we had uh, had it all done that we started to realise we might have something special. The trio released Sad But True in November 1993 and the album peaked at number 40. Days. And then they made a, a live album the next year, which was just meant to be a bonus disc, and then they, they're like, oh... 
will just make it its own thing. Yeah. Uh, then over the next 10 years, they sort of were apart and together every now and then. In October 2010, Sad True was listed uh, in the book 100 Best Australian Albums. Wow. Like, it's a very well-respected album. I might just, I won't go through them all, but I might play... Uh, yeah, what's a couple of big tracks off it? Because I I don't know if you'll see any of them as being big tracks. Yeah, I don't. N- none of them are sort of household names unless you were around at the time listening to Triple J. Gotcha. Um, I kind of got into them via a compilation album of Tex's uh, hits or yeah. or his favorite songs over his career from okay. all his different bands. That's cool. Um, let me see. Sad but true. What's one of the so it's it's pretty low key. You're, I think, based on what I know about your music, <laughs> place, you're, you're probably not going to be into them too much. Okay. This is off the first album. It's called "Fake That Emotion." <laughs> That's a funny sound. Actually, no, is it the uh, what's it called? A mouth got a mouth, yes. <laughs> Is that the mouth harp? Boyoyoing. Actually, I've picked a dud song here because he Walker did not write this. Oh, get out. They Because they all wrote different parts. Walker wrote a bunch of the tracks. Let's pick one that Walker wrote. Done well. Uh, maybe we'll go with The Girl with the Bluebird. One, two, three. That's a pause. Three. Love a fast counting. <laughs> Father, I know that you are the Lord. So sort of, it's a kind of country-inspired-ish sort of stuff. Yeah, it's real folky, but like thicker. Yeah, and also, yeah, it just sounds like a kind of Aussie bush vibe yeah. in it as well. Yep. I guess that's the the accent of the, the vocals. True, actually, yeah. Where I was about to say home on the gum trees. <laughs> <laughs> Perkins has said uh, more than once people have compared the dynamic to Chris Christopherson and Willie Nelson singing together. Which is oh. interesting. Um, but then uh, there's a track on the the next album, uh, which or the next studio album. Or which is called All Is Forgiven, released in 2005. And I, there's sort of like kind of some pretty cheeky kind of fun lyrics as well. But this one is called, uh, opening track's called Paychecks, which Tex sings lead on, but they co-wrote. Mm. And basically the chorus is saying, it, well, let's hear it. It's just a bit of fun. I love a good counting. Big fan of this track. Yep. Again, just you know, totally different sounding to everything else we've played on the show so yeah. far. Yeah. I love Texas vocals as well. He's a smooth bastard. I guess I'll take Sunday's mind. On weekends, I perform miracles. 
turn paychecks into wine. This is very fun, funny lyric. Performs miracles, turning paychecks into wine. <laughs> One working week's wage at a time. I fucking love this song. Anyway, people can find it. It's called Paycheck, so that's off. This is the opening track of All Is Forgiven. But yeah, that, I mean, that's probably a decent idea for the sound of those bands. Mm. Do yourself a favor, look them up. But obviously, super well respected uh, musician in Australia. He's won APRA awards, including uh, in 2008, uh, he won uh, for a country song he co wrote with Troy Cassadaly for Everything's Gonna Be All Right. In 2012, he won Song of the Year, or he was nominated for it for a Future Cold Chisel song, All For You. Ah, 2012? Yeah. He was nominated for a track in 2014, so he's still winning a, a lot of awards. And he like he'll just always be uh, referenced in in the conversations of the best Australian songwriters of all time. Yep, agreed, and rightly so. In 2012, he was inducted in the Australian Songwriters Hall of Fame, ah. which is like it feels like a no-brainer. They may as well call that Hall of Fame Don's House. The Don. <laughs> it is the Don. Yeah, totally. It's the Don of the Don. So, yeah, I'm, I was so glad. If it wasn't for this show, this podcast, mm. I never would have stumbled across Catfish, and I'm so stoked that I have. So I appreciate that, Sam. Thank yeah. you very much for that gift. <laughs> you are welcome. Um, something else is just on here that I've just spotted about Mr. Walker. Um, he's actually released two albums. I knew he'd released one not that long ago, but he's actually released two. Um, so this year he released um, a memoir called Songs, and it's actually just the lyrics to all of the songs he's written. Oh, books? Is, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, so it's it's basically a book of poetry, um, which is pretty, I think, pretty beautiful. Uh, but back in, what was it, 2009, uh, released a book called Shots, uh, an autobiographical, autobiographical even, a collection of uh, smaller bits and pieces, rarely more than a few pages in length, Recollect, mostly recollections of rural life or life with cold chisel before they came became widely famous. It also received a number of positive reviews, such as um, The Age, calling it a whip crack across the landscape of rural Australia, lonely highways and endless gigs. Um, and the Australian Book Review, I really liked this just, uh, this review of it. A quite wonderful book that blasts away every last vestige of the crude, boozy, foot-stomping, flag-waving Australiana that has until now enveloped the cold chisel story like a filthy smog leaving behind only the simmering highways, the trashy motels, the dank pubs and the monotonous suburbs of a nation slouching apathetically through the remnants of the 20th century. Hmm. Uh, but it just, I like, really liked that idea that the book kind of, you know, maybe changed someone's perspective of Cold Chisel as being this, like, bogan band to actually something quite special. Yeah. And also just the idea that a bogan band is a bad thing. Yeah, well, yeah. There's this weird idea that, oh, it's a bogan, it's bogan so it's, that means it's no good. I find yep. that a bit frustrating as well. Yep. I think it, it can be both things, mm -hmm. which cultures are. Like, it's, you, you can't really dispute the fact that they're loved by, like, that kind of classic version of what Australia, Australian-ness is. Yep. But, um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's that's like some sort of a class thing where people yeah, shit that, on bogans. Is it, is it a classist so thing? It feels like, like it, it is to me a little bit. Socioeconomic. I reckon. Distinction. Oh, look, I've had one mid-strength beer and I'm ready to let you know my thoughts on Australia's socioeconomic uh, climate. <laughs> And how, so, next how, week on Listen Now Pod, we will be debating. Yeah. There's a lot of punching <laughs> Intensely down. Intensely discussing, yeah. When I, I think, you know, the, the idea of what is a bogan and all that sort of stuff is so varied as well. But a lot of people use it to mean it's just an, it just means a negative thing. It does. Necessarily. Yeah. Which I find a bit. Anyway, uh, we are <laughs> up to the point of the show where we, we get to talk to the listeners. Well, they get to talk to us anyway when we open up the Letters to Alan bag. Letters to Alan. Alan Letters. Um, so this week we have got Luke Chilton from the UK. Um, he said, love the podcast. Uh, looking forward to the Circus Animals episode, uh, which is the best album of all time. Ooh, he, has he agreed listed, with me. I have that. I rated that right up there. Interestingly, has listed Jimmy's solo Heat as number two, which we didn't even bother going oh, into because that's we've interesting. written it off pretty quick. Um, well, I've just never heard it, so I haven't even I haven't written it off. I, I haven't have given it. it. I gave, <laughs> haven't listened to it. Haven't written it. But I, based on your tip, I will. What who? What was this writer's name? Uh, the person writing in Luke Chilton. Luke Chilton, fantastic oh, name. Mate, Luke Chilton. LC. Oh, Chilton. Uh, oh, and not ERN. Like the town. Okay. Yeah. But he also has talked about um, the track Four Walls on East. It originally, I think we briefly touched on the fact that it was rewritten later on and Jimmy talks about in his book how right. Don had a way of knowing when something wasn't quite ready. Yep. Um, so Luke here says, it's the demo is actually about being bored in a hotel room on tour. Um, right. So he ended up rewriting it, obviously. Um he has also said, please cover the Cold Chisel Demos album Teenage Love in brackets terrible title that was released <laughs> in the late 90s. It shows you what the band could do when not being mauled by Richard Batchins in the studio. <laughs> uh, and he reckons it stands up with some of the best their best work. Okay, we weren't going to cover that. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. Uh, and PPS, why is the Four Walls lyric not Four Walls, Wash Basin, Prison Cell instead of Prison Bed? It's so funny. My head, I like, that's what I go to sing every time. Really? Yeah, every time that's what I sing and realize I'm singing it wrong. That's so funny that he mentioned that. Goes for it. It does yeah. feel like it, it just make it just rolls off the tongue easier. Yeah. That's um, the genius of Don, I guess. He's oh, always yeah. zigging when you're zagging. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's also attached for us a copy of the original demo, which one of us will eventually figure out how to make public. Uh, yeah. What? Just posting a YouTube clip? No, it's a MP4. Oh, MP4, cool. Is it? I don't know. Yeah. Don't th- know. MP3. Oh, it's an MP3. Taking it back 10 years. Audio um, only. I reckon we can figure out how to make that we'll figure listenable. It out. Yeah. So, yeah, remember that post that when this comes out. We should say, cause we, because we're both kind of busy with different things, we have to record some of these in clumps. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we say we're going to post something we forget to, feel free to remind us on Twitter or wherever. And you can uh, nudge us gently at Listen Now Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Listen Now Pod at gmail.com if you want to get into the letter bag to Alan. Woo! That pretty much wraps us up, doesn't it? Thank you so much for that email, Luke. Luke Chilton from the UK. From the UK. From the UK. Bloody hell, that's cool. I'll see you from the UK. On your mate. 
so that pro- that draws a close to the another fantastic episode here. And as I, as we always say, goodbye, Astrid. Goodbye. podcast is part of the planet broadcasting network visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates i mean if you want it's up to you hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince i'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe ethical and responsible manufacturing i love that luxury quality within reach go to quince.com style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order quince.com style